Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. We are right now just near the end of our series out of the book of 1 Corinthians that we've entitled Lego Church Built to Be Together. Uh, We've been walking through, this is now our seventh week in this series, we're going to be wrapping it up next week as we've been looking at some of the high points of the book of 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians really is a book about unity within the body of Christ and how Jesus has set that up and He invites us to come together as a part of His body. And we are going to be looking at one of the key passages that that highlights this truth from 1 Corinthians today as we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, But, you know, we've mentioned this every Sunday, Legos are really an apt analogy for uh, the church because Legos apart are just random pieces and sizes of plastic, but when they come together under a designer, they can make something beautiful. Um, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen made out of Legos. Um, you know, but, but there's other beautiful things that are made out of Legos, including this one. Um, that's also beautiful. Um, but, you know, there, there are, are many things under a designer where you can take these various shapes, sizes, and colors, and you can make something uh, beautiful out of it. And that's really like the church. I mean, all of us were very different people. Um, we come from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different experiences, But Jesus invites us together and he connects us and builds us in such a way that we can be involved in his beautiful plans. And we're going to look at another installment of that, another another, dose of that today from 1 Corinthians 12. But before we do that, I want to share with you guys uh, an experience that we had back in July that made me think about 1 Corinthians 12. Um, We had the opportunity in July to spend some time in Colorado. And if you ever have the opportunity to go to Colorado in July, the answer should be yes. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, it was 48 degrees at night, and uh, it, was, it was just beautiful weather. There's all kinds of great things to do outside. You can hike. Uh, it was just, just a wonderful thing. Well, one of the things that you can do in Colorado in the summertime is you can whitewater raft. And we were out there in July in the summertime. We had some friends that said, hey, why don't you go whitewater rafting with us uh, while you're here. Now, you got to know, to know how I'm processing and responding to this, you got to know two things about me. One is I've always had a fascination with whitewater rafting. I mean, I, it's something, you know, you see it in movies, you hear other people talk about it, you see pictures, and you think, wow, that looks awesome. I would love to do that someday. Um, but the second thing you got to know about me and whitewater rafting is that I was terrified to do it. And the reason why is kind of two, two reasons why I was scared to do it. First of all, I had no experience whitewater rafting. I mean, the closest thing I'd ever come to whitewater rafting was the Lost River of the Ozarks at Silver Dollar City. I don't think that really counts. Um, but because I didn't have any experience, I'm thinking, well, what's this going to be like? Uh, but, but coupled with my lack of experience is really my lack of skill. I know nothing about steering a raft. I know nothing about how to hit different rapids at different angles in order to, to keep everybody in, in the boat and, and keep everybody safe. And, and I'm not even that great of a swimmer. So the thought of being in this rapidly moving, freezing cold water, um, all of that was enough to make me initially just say absolutely no. But, you know, in my assessment of participating in this activity, um, I forgot one key fact. And that was we would not be on the water alone. 
It wasn't going to be just me. It wasn't even just going to be me and my son. And my wife is in that picture too. She's back there behind. But there is a key person in this picture. And that's Zach, right in the middle. Uh, Zach has worked for over 10 years guiding people down this river, the Arkansas River. He knew everywhere to go, exactly the spots to hit, the speed to, to, to hit them, uh, where we were to sit, where we were to lean, how many we were to go forward or backwards. And with Zach driving the boat, we were able to get on the water and make it all the way down the river and, and get out on the other side. And, and, you know, as we were floating down this river and we had just made it through all of these things and we're, we're just about to get off, I mean, this thought literally, you know, pops into my head. I'm thinking, man, how amazing it is, the things that we get to do of which, you know, we, we, none of our skill made that happen. It's like when you get on an airplane and you think, well, I'm going to travel 700 miles in an hour. My ability to travel 700 miles in an hour has nothing to do with my personal ability. It has everything to do with the, the power of the plane and the skill of the pilot. Um, and the same thing was true on this boat. My ability to go down the Arkansas had nothing to do with my experience or my skill. It had everything to do with who was driving the boat, who was in there with me. And, you know, I was thinking about this in relation to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because in, in our lives, uh, in the Christian life, many times we look at this, this river that Jesus is asking us to step out into, and we think, I can't do it. It's moving too quickly. I, it, it looks scary. I have no experience with doing some of the things that Christ is asking me to do. I have no skill or ability to overcome those things on my own. And so we, we come and we hear a message like this, and somebody paints a river and says, this is where God wants you to go, and you stand on the side of the bank and you go, wow, that looks great, that looks exciting. I'd even like to do that someday, but I just can't. And I can't because I don't have the experience or I don't have the skill. And we stand by the side of the river of living water, and we say, wow, wouldn't that be nice to get on board? This is especially true in the area of ministry. You know, we, we hear about the opportunity to serve Christ and be used by Him, and if we're honest, at some level, we, we fantasize about that. Wouldn't it be awesome for God to use you in a huge way today? Wouldn't it be awesome in this next nine months of a school year for God to use you to, to lead a friend to Christ to, to help shepherd and disciple a, a group of young people or to reach out into your neighborhood and be a light there, uh, to help those in need in the community. Wouldn't it be awesome to spend the next nine months doing that? But as we hear that, that picture painted, we stand on the side and we say, but, but I never have or, or I just can't because I don't have the skill. And if that is you, if you're standing on the side and you see this river and you think, I just can't, then you need the message of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I need the message of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because in this wonderful chapter, we have the reminder that we're not in the raft alone. But God sends somebody far better than Zach. And Zach was awesome. But God sends somebody far better than Zach into the raft with us to navigate us on this river of living water, serving Christ and being used by him today, and that is the person of the Holy Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 12 reminds us of that and challenges us to get in the river. And so we're going to look at that today. So if you've got a Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This morning we're going to see 
just a couple of things as it pertains to serving and as it pertains to getting involved in what God would want to do with our lives. And what a, what a great time for us to talk about this today. Because if you're like me, you're making decisions about what this year is going to look like. One of those sets of decisions is where am I going to invest my time? Where am I going to, where am I going to serve? Um, we need to remember the truth of 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to see two things. The first thing we're going to see is this. It says, together with the Spirit, we can do the impossible. Together with the Spirit of God, we can do the impossible. Now, we see that in verses 4 to 7 and then down in verse 11 of chapter 12. Uh, this is what it says. I'm going to start with the first three verses there, 4 to 6. Paul writes to the Corinthian church and he says, Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Now, what's Paul getting at there? Well, he's talking about this whole concept of spiritual gifts. And throughout chapter 12, we're not going to look at every verse. I would encourage you to read chapter 12 later today or this week. But throughout chapter 12, Paul mentions different kinds of gifts that people might have. But when Paul begins his discussion of spiritual gifts, he makes it very clear up front that every person who is a believer in Christ has been gifted by God to serve him in this world. Everyone. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, as you sit here today, you have been gifted by God to serve him. Now, that was important to remind the Corinthians, and it's important to remind us because many times we want to isolate God's work to only certain kinds of gifts. I mean, the Corinthians were, I mean, this is the theme of the whole church. Uh, we see it throughout the book of 1 Corinthians, where they were finding all different kinds of ways to divide one to the other. We saw it way back in the beginning of, of the book. They were dividing based on which human teacher they liked. You like Paul, you like, you like Peter, you like Apollos, and they would divide based on which teacher you liked. But when you get over to chapter 12, it appears as though they were maybe dividing based on which gifts were present. And, and in other words, they would look and they would say, you know what, this person over here they teach really well, so God is obviously with them. But this person over here, they just, they just serve. They're, they're probably just doing that on their own. God is present with the teacher. He's not present with the server. They, they look at something and say, you know what? This person over here is speaking in, in different languages that they've never learned. God is obviously present in that situation. But, but this person over here, they're, they're just giving and they're just a generous person. They're doing that on their own. God is obviously present with this person, maybe not so much with this other person. They'd look and they'd say, you know, this, this person right here, they're, they're speaking with such authority and, and, and a prophetic tone. God is obviously with that person, but this, this one over here that's just praying simple prayers of faith for their friends, that, that's obviously just something they're generating on their own. The Corinthian church was dividing based on which gifts were presenting and manifesting themselves through people. And so Paul writes, and he, he wants to clarify that situation. And he says, you know what? There are a lot of different kinds of gifts, and there's a lot of different ways this, this manifests. And no matter how it looks, whether it's, it's faith or teaching or, or prophecy or whatever, no matter how it looks, God is present in every single one of them. The Lord is at work. The Spirit is empowering every single one. See, the, the Corinthians were thinking that the Spirit was only driving some people's boat. But Paul wanted to make it absolutely clear that regardless of the ways that they were gifted, the Spirit was driving everybody's boat. 
who had trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of sin. And so he, he gives that challenge. Well, in, to what direction was, were, were our believers empowered? And he mentions at the end of verse 6 that the Spirit was empowering them. Well, verse 7 tells us to what direction the Spirit was empowering. Verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Spirit was coming and empowering people, not just so they would have a warm fuzzy themselves, not just so they could say, wow, I do have a gift, but so that they can employ that gift in a way that would be a blessing to others. Um, that's why the Spirit was there. Now, we know in other places the Spirit is present not just to empower us to serve. The Spirit is present to Ephesians 1 to indicate that we have a relationship with God, to remind us of the, the assurance we have with Him as a, as a first fruit of, of our salvation. We, we know that from Ephesians 1. We know that the Spirit is present with us in, in Romans 8 to help us know that there is clear communication. We're known by God, and we can have that, that warm feeling that God is with us. We know that from Romans 8. But in 1 Corinthians 12, the presence of the Spirit is highlighted for the purpose not of our benefit, but for the benefit of others. And, and one of the reasons why God has given us His Holy Spirit and invested so deeply in us is because He wants to work through us to minister to the good of others, every single one of us, regardless of what that gift looks like. Not just with those that we could say, wow, that, that is really a, a miraculous gift, or that's, that's really impressive. But even the one who does things that no one else even sees Jesus does, and he put that person there to work through them to accomplish his purpose because we've all, if we are believers in Christ, have the Spirit to drive the boat. Verse 11 continues this thought. It says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. The, the idea there is that the Spirit of God that is, that is present within us, equips us and gifts us for ministries, but we don't get a say over it. You know, we, we can't wake up in the morning and, and dictate what we think our gifts should be that day. Um, we don't get to say at the front end of our Christian life, I'd like the gift of teaching, or I'd like the gift of serving, or I'd like the gift of faith. We don't order off a menu. God sovereignly scatters these gifts among us according to His will, His his plan. Um, and so God has equipped us and he's gifted us for ministry. And so what do we do with that? How do we, how do we begin to unpack that a little bit? Well, one thing I, I think that we need to do is we need to remember that we are gifted. I'm going to ask you to do something. This might, you may think this is kind of weird, but I'm, I'm going to have you do it anyway. I want you to turn to those on, on your right, and I want you to say you're gifted. Then I want you to turn to the person on your left, and I want to say you're gifted. There's people at the end of both aisles that are really confused at, at, both, at one, one time or another. But you are gifted. If you have trusted in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, you are absolutely gifted. Not gifted at one point in the past, not one day you might be gifted in the future, but you are gifted by God for ministry right now. You know, that, that's a really important thing for us to process because sometimes if we've been around the block a few times, we think, you know what, I think I was gifted for ministry when I was in Brazil on that mission trip, but I'm not so sure back here. You know, I, I think I was gifted for ministry that summer in college, but not so sure now. 
I think I was gifted for ministry before this significant life event, but now I'm just kind of damaged, and, and obviously God has removed that. I think the Spirit was in the boat with me at one point, but, but he's not so much now. And, and if, if you walked in today and that describes your understanding of, of how God has gifted you, um, when I start to talk about this and we begin to lay this out, you're that person standing on the side of the river going, wouldn't it be nice, but I can't. You see an opportunity to serve and you go, wow, somebody ought to do something, but not me. I don't have the experience. I don't have the skill. I'm driving my own boat. I don't have a chance. Maybe 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, maybe five years from now, God could use me, but not today because you walk in and you feel as though you're not gifted. These verses in 1 Corinthians 12 ought to be an incredible encourager to you. That you're standing there on the edge of that river, and if if you're saying, I'm not gifted, and you know Christ, then what you're forgetting is that Zach is in the boat with you. He wants to drive the raft down the river. He wants to use you in his plan. Some of you were walked in today, and you felt like, I'm not gifted, and you need to walk out of here with with an understanding and a memory, yes, I am gifted. And, and if, if you're thinking, okay, so, so I'm gifted, well, how do I, what do I do with that? How do I know how I'm gifted? How do I know how to get involved? Um, some of you have heard me say this over and over again, but I think this is the best way to find out how God best uses you. Talk to people who know you. Talk to people you interact with and ask them, how does God tend to use me around you? And you know what? You'll hear people say things. They might say, you know what? Uh, you tend to encourage me a lot. You tend to offer great wisdom to me at different times. You tend to know what I need even before I do, and you're able to step in and help meet that need. You, you have faith, and you pray for things that I don't have the faith to trust God for, but you do, and, and we have the opportunity to pray together, and that's how God uses you. Ask those who know you. Ask your friends. Ask your roommates. Ask your kids. Ask your spouse, how does God tend to use me? Do you, are, do you have the ability to explain difficult things and help people to get it? What, what are those things that God consistently seems to do through you? And as you, you hear those echoes, that's the river that God wants you to ride because he's equipped you for those things. Some of you have walked in today and you've thought, I, I just don't know that I'm gifted. But if you know Christ, you are. You know, in, in my life, how did I end up doing what I'm doing now? How did I end up as a pastor? I ended up as a pastor because some people, when I first trusted Christ, said, hey, you want to help with this? And, you know, I'm 16, and I think, yeah, that'd be fun. And then after I led this Bible study, somebody says, you know, God used you last night. And I thought, wow, that was, that was great. I want to be used by God. And then they said, hey, why don't you help lead this car wash? raise money for cystic fibrosis, and, and I, so I did with our youth group. And they said, you know, God tend to use you to kind of organize and get people together, and just one thing after another like that. Um, and you know what? The same is true for you. God has gifted you, and he wants to use you in his plans. If you walked in here today, know that you're gifted, if you think that. But some others of us walked in here today not thinking, I don't think I'm gifted, but some other people walked in today thinking, I'm God's gift to whatever, um, you know, that's, that's possible too, right? 
Um, and, and if that's the case, if you walked in here with that attitude, then you're thinking, well, I, I've got it all together and I've got it all figured out. And I know, I, I've been through this, I've heard this message 18,000 times, and I know I've got the gift of whatever. And you know what, I'm just going to load that in every Sunday morning and just boom, and I'm good to go. I've got it all ready. You know, that, that's, that's your, your perspective and your understanding. But here's the thing for us. This same principle, this same truth needs to be resonating in the heads of those of us who have already gone through the process and know that God has gifted us, but we need to remember that it's not us driving the raft. You see, those that are standing on the edge, not entering the water, need to be encouraged by the presence of the Holy Spirit to step into the water. But those of us who have trusted in Christ and know that we're gifted need to relax and let the Spirit guide and lead because it's not about us. You know, how foolish it would have been for me to get out of the river and go, I did it. I conquered whitewater rafting. My skill got us down here. You know, Zach would have hit me with an oar right in the back of the head. Um, Because that's just, there's no truth in that. His skill, his experience got me down the river. And the same thing is true with us. You see, if you're you're gifted, you, you can do some things, you can get up and you can teach, or you can you can pray with somebody, or you can you can share a need, but but we're it is impossible for us in our own strength and power to do the things that we really want done. See, I, I can get up and teach, but it's impossible for me to to actually have people walk out from this teaching time trusting Christ more. That I need the Spirit of God to do that. I I need that for what I really want to do. You know, we can we can come along and we can we can pray with somebody, but for them to be really encouraged, we need the Spirit of God to work. You see, we need to come together and realize that with the Spirit, those things that are otherwise impossible are possible because of who's driving the boat. We're gifted. The Spirit is leading. Second thing we need to see. Is that together we experience unity, not uniformity. Together we experience unity and not uniformity. Now, I think this is really interesting. We, you've probably read 1 Corinthians 12 before, and you've probably heard it taught before. And, you know, as I come at 1 Corinthians 12, I, I have a, a certain bent because of my experience and reading it in the past. I come in thinking that 1 Corinthians 12 is all about unity. And you know what? It is about unity. But you know what is highlighted even more than the unity? The diversity. You know, sometimes we forget the fact that what God unites are diverse people. That's why the Legos are so helpful for us. They're all different colors, shapes, and sizes. They're very different. We're very different. And we're different by design. Sometimes we forget that fact. We think, if I'm not like them, then God must not like me. If I'm not like them, if I don't have their gift, if I, don't, I can't do what they do, then, then I must not be as important or I must not, God must not want to use me. But the reality is that we are different by design and God built us that way in order to use us in his plans the way he intends. And we see this beginning down in, in verse 12 of chapter 12. Uh, this is what it says from verses 12 to 14. Paul writes and says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And 
the obvious picture here is that of a human body. And he's saying that the, the church is different by design so that all of these different parts um, can work together to accomplish a bigger purpose than, than just one thing. And you think about a body that is all eyes. What do you call a body that is all eyes? A monster. Look at monsters that kids draw and different things. It's just one body part gone haywire. Um, because one body part to an extreme doesn't accomplish what you need. But all these different things, eyes with a nose, with a mouth, with, with hands, with feet, are able to accomplish far more than just an eye by itself. And the same thing is true in the body of Christ. There are, are, are many different members, regardless of our background, regardless of our experience. When we come into Christ, He equips us and gifts us and places us in different ways so that we would work together according to His purpose. He continues on with the same idea from verses 18 to 20. It says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You know, we are different by design. God didn't make any one of us complete so that we would need each other. God didn't make me complete, and He didn't make Austin complete so that Austin and I would need each other. God didn't make me complete, and He didn't make Susan complete because He wanted us to need each other and to work together. This is what God has done in the church. He has, he has scattered the gifts so that we would need to come together in order to see it function as he intends. If I had all of the insight myself, I wouldn't need to study the Word of God with anybody else. If I was able to encourage myself to, to, the, to the extent that I needed encouraging, I wouldn't need anybody to come along and encourage me. If I had all the faith, I wouldn't need somebody to come beside me and pray whenever my faith was lacking. If I was able to do everything that was needed, then you wouldn't need everybody else. But the reality is God limits us for the purpose of driving us together so that we would be a body. Look at what it says in verse 27. He says, now you are the body of Christ and individually you're members of it. Out of all the things that Jesus could have chosen to represent him in the world, he chooses a body which is made up of millions of people around the world. You ever thought about that? He could have chosen an individual. And sometimes we erroneously come to this conclusion, you know, uh, who is Jesus' representative in the world? Well, if you come from certain church backgrounds, it would be the pastor. The pastor is Jesus to us. What he says goes. And, and if you get too weighted in that direction, thinking that there is one individual that has all the answers, one individual that represents Jesus, and everybody else is just kind of an attender, then what happens is you get so out of balance, you forget 1 Corinthians 12, 27, the representative of Christ in the world is not a person, it's the body. To me, this is one of the, the huge problems with many people's understanding of the Pope. One of the things that grieves me is when people are like, well, he's the Pope. You know, he, he's the one. He's the representative. And, and how do we get to one person? When Jesus himself communicates through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 that says it's not an individual, it's the body. That means that if you know Christ and you are sitting here today, then you are part of God's plan to be his representative in the world. You're part of God's plan to minister to each other within this body. You're part of God's plan to reach out and to share the good news of Christ with this community. It's not an individual, it's, it's the body, it's the collective 
So what do we do with this? Well, a couple of, a couple of things. First thing that I think we need to do is we need to remember um, that if there are those who are driving you crazy, and let's be honest, you have, you have been at Wildwood any period of time, there's somebody here that's driving you crazy. Um, it's probably me. Uh, so I'm just, that's why I'm applying it this way. But, you know, th- there are, there are going to be opportunities, if not today, then at some point, where somebody's going to be driving you crazy. And here's what I want you to, to think about. Are, are they driving you crazy because they're different or because they're sinning? Could be either one, but many times it's because they're just different. People different from us tend to drive us crazy. And what happens is we want to get away from people who are different than us and get close to people who are like us so that we feel okay. But, but you know what the, the body is designed to do? Be different. You know why you need people different than you? Because they're different than you. And God will use them to help you see and understand and do things that you would never be able to do otherwise when the Spirit is driving the boat. First thing is to recognize that different doesn't mean that it's a problem. Second thing, though, has to do with us individually being involved in serving. And we're going to do something interesting as, as, we, conclude, as we conclude our service today. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up as, as we prepare to, to do this. Um, you know, serving is, is something that is deeply embedded in the culture of Wildwood. You know, our mission as a church is to connect people to Christ, His worship, His community, and His mission. Um, being involved in, in what God is doing in the world as the body of Christ is, is very integral to what we see as important. And that's something that Wildwood is, has a history of excelling at. Many of you are involved in this. I was a part of a training this last week um, with our children's ministry where there were over 150 people who were serving, and that's just a, a fraction of those who are actually serving just within that one ministry at the church. And so when I talk about this issue of serving, it's not talking from a position of weakness, but a position of strength here. There are so many of you who are already serving. But there are others of you who heard this message today and would like to find an opportunity or a path to get involved in serving. And so um, underneath the seat in front of you is a little green piece of paper. I invite you to take one of those out right now. Take it out and kind of wave it at me so I see that you found it. Um, But these pieces of paper uh, are a way for us to interact a little bit about helping connect you with serving opportunities um, here at Wildwood or through Wildwood in the community. And so if at the top there's an opportunity for you to put your name or email your phone, underneath that there is an opportunity for you to indicate if you're currently serving. We want to celebrate that. This isn't um, to make you try to serve in some other area. If you're being used by God right now. Praise God for that. But you can let us know what that is so we can celebrate with you. But then underneath that is an opportunity if you would like to get involved in using how God has gifted you in serving here or in the community, we'd like to help make some of those connections for you. And a number of ministries are highlighted there from different opportunities with kids, with our student ministry, with college ministry, getting involved with a, with a college student to help them in our Adopt the Sooner program, adult small group leadership, uh, worship hospitality, ushering, local outreach, world outreach, Care and Compassion Ministries, Technical AV Help, uh, or the, the Blessed Other. You know, whatever you, um, if you would like to, to indicate to us an opportunity that you would like to pursue, our staff will be following up with these in the next couple of weeks. We'd love to help connect you in deeper opportunities because we believe if you've trusted Christ, the Spirit of God is present within you. He wants to empower you um, to serve Him as He drives the boat.
Uh, so I'm just going to give you a, a, a minute, and uh, Greg's maybe going to start playing a little bit and give you a minute to, to just, just to fill this out. And then we'll stand in just a minute and, and to sing, and our ushers will come back down the middle aisle. You can pass these to the middle, and the ushers will collect them, and then we'll conclude singing. Stand and join us. Jesus, please help me. Used to be my request. I wanted the blessing.
into the boat with you. You've never placed your faith and trust in him for the forgiveness of your sins. For others, it might be recognizing that he's with you, stepping into the river and getting involved in ministry and service. And for others, it might be just remembering that the spirit is still driving the boat. Whoever you are, wherever you fall in that, the response to all of us is the same, is to trust Christ. Father, we pray that you would help all of us here to trust and lean on and depend on the person of Jesus Christ for all that we are. We thank you that we have the privilege of doing that together here today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like somebody to pray with you about any of those things, there'll be some of us up here at the foot of the cross who would love to do so after the service. Otherwise, you are dismissed.